Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast all about Rick Riordan's funny little series. Currently on the last book, The Last Olympian. Well, not the last, last book, but the last book with good SEO. The last book with like super good. The last book in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, our viewers are going to tank. Viewers, our listeners are going to tank immediately after this book. I mean, I keep meaning to put these on YouTube, so soon we will hopefully have viewers. Okay. They'll be viewing our beautiful faces in our as we dub over. We'll do like a oh, yeah. live lip sync. <laughs> I, I can't. I cannot even conceive of such a horrible idea. You don't want to listen to your past self and then also try and emulate your past self while, like, broadcasting yourself to potentially, like, an unknown number of people? Yeah, that seems bad. I I don't know if this is a controversial take. You don't want to put your face on the internet? Definitely not. Seems suspicious, but I'll accept it for now. My face is on none of my internet accounts. That's fair. How you doing today, Jane? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. The uh, the horrific heat wave that has been consistently almost boiling me to death for a little while now has finally let up a little. Good. So in a few days, I'll be whinging about how rainy it is. How are you today? Oh, I would love rain right now. <laughs> I um, I feel like I'm like everybody else in the world right now. It's just hot. I hate it. Yeah. It's like 97 degrees, not 95 degrees or something. Got high humidity. But you know what? We're here. We're going to talk about the first two chapters of The Last Olympian, and I'm excited. I'm also very excited. Uh, Dear listener, you may have noticed that two chapters is like slightly fewer than we normally do. And that's because like for the last book, we figured it's going to be pretty jam-packed with stuff. So it's probably a good idea to like go into it in as much detail as possible so in the interest of avoiding like a four chapter episode where we skip over a bunch of stuff uh we're gonna do just two for the first episode yeah we are yeah plus there are like three extra chapters than usual so this is definitely gonna be a longer book than we usually cover Mm -hmm. or rather this is definitely gonna take more episodes than we usually do for a single book I'm actually curious about, like, how they stack up in terms of page count now that you mention it. Uh, I wonder. You know, we can do a quick check. Yeah, I mean... Okay, I will look. One second. Wow, everything just fell off my bookshelf. I... How? Why? What? Because I, I picked up all the copies of the book so I could just, like, check the number of pages in them. Uh, And my copy of the Demigod Files and Outbound Flight, which is a Star Wars book because I'm a dweeb, uh, fell onto the floor. Great. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So the shortest one is The Sea of Monsters at 320 pages. Uh, Uh Next shortest is appears to be The Titan's Curse at 352 pages. 
Then we've got The Battle of the Labyrinth at clocking in at 384 pages. Uh, this is a bit of a toss-up. I'm going to go with... I'm going to say this is all paperback that we're reading from. So the next one is The Lightning Thief at 416 pages. And The Last Olympian is at 432 pages. So this is the longest one. Anyway, um, doesn't really matter. But... I guess it kind of matters. Whatever. Who cares? Start over. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome- no, 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 no. <laughs> no okay. we're not starting again at this point. Okay. Um. So this is a pretty long one. Yeah. Are you okay. I'm fine. I'm ad- I'm adjusting. I'm trying to fix my bookshelf. Everything's okay, kind of wanna, turned into a disaster over here. That's so sad. I'll continue reading this fan fiction while you're busy. My copy of the Demigod Files has fallen behind my desk. No. I'm just going to have to wait until after we're done to get it. How are you ever going to look at the map again? Okay, this is this is as good as it's going to get. I've restored some semblance of order. But yeah, Jane, do you have anything you want to say before we head into the chapter summaries? Rick is not fucking around. No. Okay. <laughs> Let's get it started. Chapter one. I go cruising with explosives. About a week before Percy Jackson's 16th birthday, his mom Sally and stepdad Paul have taken him and Rachel Elizabeth there to the South Shore so the kids can try out driving Paul's Prius. Percy and Rachel stop at a ridge overlooking the Atlantic. They talk about how Percy's been invited to the Dare family's vacation house in the Virgin Islands, and how much it would mean for Rachel if he went. Her dad's trying to put her in finishing school and is kind of unbearable to be around, plus she has something she needs to talk to him about. He's hesitant, though. A war could arrive any minute. They watch the ocean for a bit, but when she asks when he's going to kiss her, the hood of the Prius crater is in. Percy's old friend Blackjack, carrying Charles Beckendorf, has landed on it. He's come to bring Percy to the war, and Rachel sends him off the kiss that he begs Beckendorf to not tell anyone about. They fly straight to the Princess Andromeda, drop from Blackjack onto the lowest deck, and after a fond look from Beckendorf to a picture of Silena Beauregard, who he's now dating... The half-bloods descend into the ship. They work their way into the engine room, and while Beckendorf wires explosives, Percy acts as a distraction, running through the ship and cutting monsters down with his sword riptide. In the center of the ship, he battles with a fearsome giant monster crab. Eventually, he manages to slip his sword between the cracks of its armor and vaporize it. Continuing on, he encounters a half-blood working for Kronos, who looks about 12, so Percy disarms the kid and tells him to get the other demigods off the ship they want to live. Eventually, he makes it onto the main deck, and all he needs to do is cross over to the rendezvous point. If only his old enemy Luke Castellan wasn't in the way. On all sides, Percy is surrounded by Lystragonian giants. They knew he was coming, because of the spy at camp. The duel between Kronos and Percy is short and painful, and Beckendorf has also been captured by Ethan Nakamura and some giants. There's only one way out. They didn't check the engine room for explosives. Beckendorf, left with no other choice, blows the ship up using his activator watch. The mission is complete. Percy is singing to the bottom of the sea. And Beckendorf... Chapter 2. I meet some fishy relatives. During his blackout, Percy dreams of the Palace of the Titans, built around Atlas atop Mount Othrys. A golden titan orders another titan in ram horns, Creos, to guard the mountains, before saying that Olympus will soon be in ruins and disappearing. 
Outside the pavilion, Nico D'Angelo's eavesdropping, then turns to Percy and says that time is running out, and Nico's plan is the only way to beat them. He wakes up in Poseidon's palace, with Tyson standing over him. There's been no sign of Beckendorf, and Percy knows he must be dead. Tyson then takes him through the palace. Surrounding it are mermen, fighting off incoming attacks. And at the roof of the temple, Poseidon is giving out orders, looking about 40 years older than usual since the stay of the ocean has impacted him quite a bit. His wife Amphitrite and his son Triton are there as well, and neither of them care for Percy particularly much. The battle against Oceanus, Titan of the Sea, is going poorly. Oceanus didn't even fight in the first war, so he must be sure of the Titan's victory. Percy is made to fill Poseidon in on what happened, and though he's distraught at the death of the young demigods and Beckendorf aboard the ship, Poseidon assures him that the mission has allowed the Olympians time to deal with a greater threat. He wishes for Percy to return to the camp, and finally receive the great prophecy in its entirety. Poseidon says, with luck, they will be able to celebrate Percy's birthday next week, and Percy says farewell to his father, though he's unsure if Poseidon will even be alive by next week. Percy wills the ocean currents to bring him to the surface, and below him, the sea tears itself apart. So, what did you think of these chapters? Holy shit. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I fully buy into the fact that this is a horrible war. Uh, same. I... It's so... It starts off... Okay, it's... The first chapter ends with one of like a character who we've only like gotten a lot of detail about in like a side story but who we have known as like a very respectable camper who was like tyson's only friend for a while yeah dying he dies he dies horribly yeah we were complaining about um about percy jackson and the bronze dragon being a little bit pointless last time Mm -hmm. Uh, i guess we found the point yeah (laughs) it was to make us sad when beckendorf bites it I'm pretty sad about it. I like Beckendorf. It sucks. Yeah, he does the fucking like war movie. Like, (laughs) you know, I want to say the old like. Yeah. He he takes the picture of his girl back home from his pocket, and is like, "Damn." That's a little get home. It's a little bit on the nose, but I still wasn't expecting like for his death to be that quick and that horrible. And it's one of those moments where Percy knows that he just, like, can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's... The weight of the world on Percy's shoulders is certainly not getting any lighter. Yeah, I mean, uh That and the, like... Ethan Nakamura is fucking dead. He... Almost certainly, like... Jesus, like... And all those kids! There were yeah. kids! There were 12-year-old children... Which, like, I think the age of the demigods didn't, like, bring itself to attention as much as the beginning of this series, you know? Yeah, because back then it was kind of just fun adventures. And plus that was, like, the peer group. Like, that was... When you're reading a story about, like, 11-year-olds or 12-year-olds or whatever, then it's like... It doesn't, when it's like, oh, something terrible is happening to a 12-year-old. Like, yeah, that's, of course it is. That's the book. Yeah. When it's like, oh, Percy is 16 and seeing a younger kid get, like, like. Incinerated. Incinerated. That's terrifying. And then going straight from that, like, 
small scale like personal tragedy to immediately like oh poseidon's like entire realm is fucked the ocean is destroying itself the ocean is on fire (laughs) there is fire in the water water in the fire why why and it's it's (laughs) and it's like completely like seeing we we know poseidon he's like the beach bum uncle yeah we've we've talked extensively but we've talked extensively about his appearance and his mild joe jonas (laughs) not joe jonas joe jonas um but he he just like looks like he looks like uh the little mermaid's dad now i've never seen the little mermaid he looks like the classical depiction of Poseidon where he's like all old and fucked up old with the white beard and like yeah, a mer a mer um, is he a mermaid in this? I don't think he is, but I don't think he's a mermaid. He's just very old. He's just very, very old. And like he's he's still got those smile lines, but he's not smiling anymore. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's a lot. There's a lot here. There's a lot. It's very mm. I don't think we... I dislike any of it, but even. No, definitely not. I it goes straight from cool, like fun teen drama stuff between friends, to horrific tragedy, to full scale war, to really great cliffhanger, where like the the great prophecy that has been teased for the entire series is now like oh we're gonna find out what that is now right like it's 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 the kind of thing that made me if i wasn't doing this for a podcast i would have just i feel like i i mean it's a small book but i feel like i could just like eat through this entire book immediately because i'm so like i want to know i want to know if this is if this is like the pace and the quality for the rest of it (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be torture on us only reading a couple of chapters a week god yeah um let's i guess let's start i guess let's start with the smallest scale conflict here the the teen drama stuff Uh so after what i'll say is that after all of our grousing about the way that annabeth (laughs) was depicted in last book i am super into everything going on with rachel elizabeth dare and percy yeah i guess we kind of have to issue a retroactive apology to annabeth because uh turns out she was fucking right <laughs> turns out they do have dyn- like dynamo chemistry <laughs> turns out uh yeah i mean she's wise she's wise um there's something very like i think we talked about this in the calypso episode right yeah there's there still isn't any like judgment of percy here it's once again not the thing of like he's betraying annabeth you know yeah it's the thing of like sometimes people like different people for different reasons yeah sometimes like you you're 15 and you leave camp and you hang out with someone a lot and then you kiss yeah it's also possible that it's just a genetic thing i mean (laughs) His what? dad's wife is in these chapters. Oh. Well, you know, that's <laughs> true. But, I mean, 
that that's an interesting part for sure. Yeah, it's kind of something that started out not being addressed, and throughout the series, we've gotten more and more of a look into. Oh no, this is not like this is very scandalous when it happens. Hmm. Or at least, even if not scandalous, it's obviously like still super like affecting on the families involved. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I kind of want to keep talking about the Rachel and Percy stuff. Uh, there's a there's a touch in here I really like, mm-hmm. which is um you know there's that like there's that like old video of like Alfred Hitchcock or something where he talks about like if you make a movie about a room full of people sitting around a table talking and then they all explode, that's kind of uh-huh. weird and boring. Yeah. Whereas if you make so- like people talking around a table, but you've already shown the audience the bomb. Yes. And I love that this starts with like. The end of the world started when a Pegasus landed on the hood of my car up until then, etc, etc. Yeah. Like it hangs over everything that happens with Rachel. You know that it can't last. It's not It's not exactly like Calypso. It's not like he's in like a perfect pair. He's just like living in the real world. Which is also very much not like Camp Half-Blood world. I think it's it's a perfect encapsulation of like the feeling of absolute dread Percy must have been feeling for like the entire year leading up to this. Basically. Like, it's just it's such a nice touch that really puts us in Percy's shoes. It's really well done. Because even he is like he can't commit himself to anything because he knows his sixteenth birthday is in a week and that's gonna signal probably the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It's like why would I why would I go to this cool girl with uh to like a, an island when I could simply uh go fight and die in a war? Maybe Percy is just like burned on going to nice islands with girls he likes. You know, I hadn't because it ended about horribly it. last time. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna go there and just like oh god. He's going to be thinking about Calypso the whole time. It'd be so awkward. <laughs> They're going to have a sleepover. He is absolutely going to say like Calypso's name in his sleep. Yeah. It's going to be one of those things. Sad, but true. I also like that we've uh, we've had one of our, like, not even complaints, but just, like, observations kind of addressed. Uh-huh. Where we, in a Battle of the Labyrinth, we frequently made fun of the fact that every single dream that Percy had was like a prophecy or a vision or like an out-of-body experience. And then in chapter two. It's just like, oh yeah, no, this is just all demigod dreams always. That's a that's a good that's a nice addition, I think. I'm It's a nice addition. It makes sense. It makes sense. It feels like, okay. That's a pretty that's a decent justification. Yeah, that, okay, so this happens to all of them, so it makes sense that it would happen even more intensely to, like, a child of prophecy who is directly concerned with the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm, we got some fights, we got some cool fights. I was rooting for uh, Percy to take out the crab by, like, jumping over its head and pulling its, uh, like, eyes out. Jesus, what? I was hoping that he would, like, sight him it. Oh, okay, yeah. That would have been cool. I think yeah. him using like him using his growing relationship with Paul to like that oh, is I nice. know how to that is nice. I think um 
it was kind of it wasn't a nothing battle but it was like oh it really this is a really like grueling fight for Percy to be in and it's just like there it's really representative of like nothing is going to be easy from here on out yeah I mean because it's it's more or less like a space filler fight mm-hmm. and you still get the impression that it's kind of difficult for him yeah 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 um I really like um like Beckendorf's ruse where he like he sets the explosives, walks back up the corridor, and then doubles back to make it look like he was like just on his way to the engine room. I yeah, think that's that's a-, that's a funny and clever way of like tricking Kronos' men without making them extremely stupid. Like I totally believe that they would fall for that. It's one of those like little ingenious tricks that they do. Percy gets the shit kicked out of him by Kronos again. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and we love him for it, obviously, but... He's an underdog. It's like my favorite season of Survivor. Oh, yeah, season uh, season 47, David vs. Goliath. 37, sorry, Jesus. I don't think anybody would have called you out on that if you'd gotten it wrong. I certainly the, would not have. All the hardcore Survivor fans in the audience, I'm so sorry. I will. I promise I will not speak anymore. Are we going to have to use the cyberpunk apology meme generator again? <laughs> oh, you used the generator for that? I thought you like found a font and stuff. Oh, no, no. I don't have anywhere near enough integrity for that. Mm, that's sad. But it's okay. The battle is pretty short, but like pretty devastating. I know you said like you were sad to see Backbiter go, but like it's still here, baby. <laughs> I don't know, it's... I know it's forged out the same stuff, but it's, I think it's definitely like a weapon with a different vibe. I think it's cooler. Okay. Like, I mean, it's still like half celestial bronze, half iron or whatever. And... um, Like, it, it maybe does like... And like, it's a scythe now. A scythe is pretty epic i don't know I mean, that is like inherently cool so it's it's got like that over backbiter and it's still carried by luke but like now like a more evil version of luke and like now it's in the hands of the main antagonist and it also will uh cut yourself in your body this this is true i also um i don't know if this is a change from the previous book uh-huh. But um like the the design of Luke slash Kronos, Luke Kronos, if you will. Okay. Uh I read in uh, Battle of the Labyrinth, I read it as like he's got golden pupils. Oh. Whereas in this book it's like he's got pure gold eyes. Mm. Which is like that's so much creepier. It is, it is. I'm not sure if it's I can't remember it saying pupils, but it could have. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a very like and like Percy struggling over whether like is Luke still in there or not or is this like Kronos growing pains? Yeah, and that little moment of hesitation he has. Even though they are only friends for like a summer, it's still like I don't know. It's still good. Like that was a vulner. That was a that was a like uh an influential. That was an influential time in Percy's life. So, like... And Luke yep, was pretty important crush. for him. Yeah, his crush. 
Um, and you can't just kill your crush that easily. It's true. Um, do we have okay? Who do we think the spy is? Do we have uh, any thoughts on who Ooh, the spy might be? Good question. Um. I want to suggest, like, the most fucked up answer I can think of. What would it be? Silene Beauregard. What? Like, why? It would be like, you know, she used uh, Beckendorf and, like, got information out of him about the plan and then warned Kronos and got him killed. That is, like, super messed up. (laughs) Um, I I don't think it would make any sense if that was the case. I guess we don't know enough yet to know if it would make sense or not. True. I, if we get to the if we get to the chapter and she like does not react to him dying, yeah, I mean I'm trying to think of like the times we've seen Silena Beauregard in this series, and she went she like goes to the cabins and like checks on them for cleaning. That could be a good spying opportunity. I suppose so. And um, she gives people flying lessons. I think so. And she's also just a cabin counselor, so she's probably pretty prominent. Um, who would I say could maybe be the spy? I don't think it's either of the Stoll brothers. That's way too obvious. I'd be quite disappointed if that was the answer. Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense narratively. They also seem like they're supposed to be like this very different kind of um, child of Hermes, as yeah, opposed to they're... Luke. They're, They're kind much of more intent- thieving shitbags than, like, messengers or something. <clears throat> yeah, they're pretty intentionally set up as, like, well, these these good kids are there now. Yeah. I I guess it could be, like, someone like Argus or something. I guess. I, that wouldn't have a lot of impact. He's not had a spoken line of dialogue. No. Hmm. See, what I would do is I would pick up my copy of the Demigod Files and flip through the interview section to see which characters the series wants us to think are prominent. Right. But it's down the back of my desk. That's so sad for you. (laughs) We'll never know. The critical information is lost. What if it's Annabeth? That... Hmm. So you're thinking that maybe, like, her attachment to Luke is strong enough that she has, like, fallen to the dark side. Maybe. I don't know how much sense that would make either, but I kind of... Well, she of, did get, like, very distant and very cagey around Percy during the end of Battle of the Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I don't I, think it's going to happen. I feel like it would be, like, one of the most talked... To, like, it would have been spoiled on the subreddit if that's what happened. Compels There'd be a me, post about it every week that's, like... Oh, did you notice this critical detail from book one, which expertly sets up that Annabeth was the spy all along? God. Compels me, though. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I... I guess the other obvious and unsatisfying answer, apart from the Stoller brothers, would be Chiron. Oh, oh, because he's Cronus' son. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't, if you, I don't see it. To be honest, if it was like, oh, the seed of Kronos inside him makes him like evil sometimes. Yeah, but we've never that seen sucks. any evidence of anything like that. Yeah, other than him being like 
a weird fascist, but... Well, that's just normal for the Olympians. I guess so, yeah. He's not an Olympian, though. Well, the Olympians and their mates. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I wonder if it's just a case of, like, we don't have enough established characters at Camp Half-Blood for this to be a proper, like, whodunit. That, that's probably true. So we're probably... I'd imagine the next couple of chapters is we're going to get a whole raft of new characters introduced. Yeah, I'm excited to be back at Camp Half-Blood. Yeah. Hopefully there won't be a horrible massacre this time. Hopefully. Hopefully this time, you know, Pollux and, like, fucking... Did we talk about how Lee Fletcher is a character? And, like, um, isn't Fletcher, isn't that, like, an arrow thing? Like, a bone arrow? Yeah, those are the people who make arrows, I believe. And, like, oh, the arrow maker kid is Apollo son. Yeah. That's funny. We didn't we didn't mention that, but it makes me laugh. Yeah, I was too busy rambling about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, but now we have a, a, new, a new Apollo cabin member, uh, Michael Yu. Maybe it's Michael Yu. I guess. Mayhaps. <laughs> Uh, we see Nico again. Hello, Nico. Nico, hi. Hi, 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 hi. Nico, 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 hi. Please stop going uh, in there. It's very dangerous. Please. He's, this is like the second time. This like 13-year-old is just like traveling into the depths of the Titan hell. Not literal just Titan hell. Just to like hell. L- look at Percy and make a point while he's there in a dream. I guess Nico could also be there in a dream. Uh, that'd be a weird, like, oh, Percy's watching Nico's dream. No, no, I mean, like, they're both, like, astrally projecting there at the same time. Yeah, but if Nico's, like, dreaming about it and, like, eavesdropping, then, like, Percy is dreaming and seeing Nico, then, like... Well, my assumption would be that, like, Nico can see him as well in the same place. Well, he can, so, like, hmm, yeah, I guess you're right. So he's probably just literally there, I guess, is what makes more, That's, more sense. Yeah. Um, but it really... I kind of expected this book to just, like, start almost immediately after the last book ended. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting it to pitch us in right in the deep end like this. But and now I'm glad I'm, it did. Yeah, and now I'm super curious about what Nico's plan is and why Percy apparently doesn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, the demigod files were absolutely no help with that. No, I mean, <laughs> they helped us a little bit. Now we know what, like, now we know that there's a guy named Bob out there. We're emotionally invested in, oh, fuck. What? Beckendorf gets a story to, like, build him up and make him sympathetic before he gets killed off. Uh-huh. Clarice had a story in the Demigod Files as well. Oh, no. I will fucking riot. (laughs) Don't put that evil into the world. Don't, like... (laughs) If if by chance the secret is real, you can't the secret this into existence. What are you talking... What's the secret? It's this thing where it's, like, if you, like, think about something and, like, talk about it enough, it'll happen in the world. Is this the Bye Bye Man? Are we talking about the Bye Bye Man again? Don't think it don't say it. Don't think it don't say it. Don't think it don't say it. No, the secret is, um, it's like a book or something. I don't know. Oh, is this one of those fucking self-help books? It's like, 
I mean, kind of, yeah. It's one of those things, like, if you think about having a lot of money and you talk about being rich or whatever, then you'll become rich. Hmm. If you, you know, if you talk about, you know, having, like, if you talk about having, I can't think of a joke. Well, we talk about Percy Jackson and the Olympians all the time, and I have yet to manifest any demigod powers. So, my official stance is that that book is bullshit. Unfortunately. <laughs> I want dem. If you... We did this in, like, episode two. Mm. Now that we've got a better handle on, like, the series, which Olympian... So I'm going to totally sidetrack this conversation... Which Olympian parent would you want? I, have we even seen any, like, significant powers for a while? I don't feel like we have outside of the kids of the big three. Ah. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, I guess it's kind of a power to be, like, good at makeup. Uh, <laughs> good at thing. You know I, mean? I guess, like, Dionysus's kids can, like, make vines appear. Yeah, and, like... But Grover can do that by playing Crawling in My Skin on his reed pipes. Uh-huh. He... Uh, Grover... Grover gets, like, really into new metal and, like, <laughs> starts talking about how, like, all that pop music he used to like is all just bullshit. Controversial opinion time. What is it? I'd be okay if Grover only shows up in a cameo role in this book. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> be mad. I guess if he has like a super cool moment of like, he leads all the satyrs into like planting trees and destroying <laughs> oil infrastructure. That'd be good. I mean, that would be kind of cool. But yeah, that that's that's about the extent to which I want him to be in this book. Beyond that, I'm not really fussed. Percy's best friend is Annabeth. Correct. He doesn't... I, I mean, Percy and Grover have a soul bond, but other than that... Yeah. We are, like, several layers removed from what we were talking about. What were we even... Nico? I've lost sight of the rails. Yes. Wait. Maybe? I think it was Nico. I think, yeah, Nico dicking around in Mount Orthus. Yeah. We were, we're, we were talking oh, about what we thought... Yeah. We were talking about what we thought his plan might be or something. Mm-hmm. I no, wonder if it's uh-huh. going to be kind of bullshit the way that um, Percy kills Kronos. Because uh, he do does mean? seem fairly unbeatable. So I A worry that the solution for getting rid of him is going to feel like an ass pull. I don't know how much I want this like conclusion to be to the Kronos versus Percy duel. I imagine we'll get a little bit of that. Yeah, but I don't know, like, it doesn't feel like the stakes... It doesn't feel like everything's set up correctly for, like, that to be a super impactful or, like... Yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. Or, or, like, true ending, you know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't feel like the series has been building up to the confrontation between Kronos and Percy. (sighs) 
like a little bit but it just feels like there's gonna be like a bigger war and maybe i don't know it, this is not like that uh, i hate to invoke it this is not one cannot live while the other survives kind of shit no. that's not what we've been getting no that's not what this is at all i i wouldn't be surprised if there are more confrontations between, but i wouldn't be surprised if there are more confrontations between the two of them and i wouldn't like be unhappy with that but I don't know if I want that to be, like, the big conclusion is, like, a one-on-one duel for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's that's my thoughts on that. I feel like we're maybe wandering a bit. Should we, like, move on to chapter two, maybe kind of refocus a little? We already talked about chapter two. We already started talking about chapter cha- We already started talking about chapter two with Nico. Oh, wait, yeah, we are talking about chapter two. You got confused. You thought we were going all the way back to the spy, but we weren't. We were talking about this. Um, I kind of feel like the Princess Andromeda was a wasted setting. You think so? Yeah, I mean, we see it a couple of times in Sea of Monsters, but, like, we haven't even been on it since then. I guess so. Like, it shows up in Titan's Curse at, like, the end. I don't think we even hear about it in Battle of the Labyrinth, and then it gets blown up in this one. And I just feel like big party boat full of monsters had a lot of untapped potential. I kind of. I feel like we got most of what we could have gotten out of it. That wasn't just like a retread. I suppose. We don't spend a lot of like. There, are, there are only a few recurring settings in this. It's true. Yeah. Like, it's basically oh, Olympus and Camp Half-Blood. Basically, yeah. Shoutouts to uh, Beckendorf, rest in peace, for blowing up a party bus full of monsters. Yeah, that rules. But by putting a bomb in their toilet, no less. One of the coolest little things. Like, one of the coolest little details in the first chapter. I think it's also like, that fits with the whole, oh, this very quickly goes to hell kind of thing that the first chapter does. Uh-huh. Because it's like, it's kind of the same kind of whimsical tone that we've gotten from the series before. Right. But it is in a much more serious context of, he did blow up a bus. Yeah. And it was to, like, stop an invasion force. We are doing bombings now. <laughs> what do you think about the, uh, what do you think about the temple, the palace part? I'm a little bit disappointed with, like, the design of Poseidon's realm. Uh-huh. I feel like it's pretty much what you would expect it to be. It's a lot of coral, it's underwater marble, it's glowing pearls. Yeah, but then I guess, like, the... there's not a lot you could really do there. It feels very, like, alien to who Percy is. Yeah, definitely. It and definitely like, doesn't even fit the vibe that, like, Poseidon has. Of, well, like, chill beach dad. That's true, but also it fits the vibe who Poseidon is here. True, yeah. It kind of feels like when you go, like, when you go see your biological dad or whatever, and, like, you've met uh-huh. him a couple times, but you don't really know who he is outside of that setting. And yeah, that makes sense then it's like everything is so far removed from anything you could have thought of. It's just like odd and weird. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, you know, I, I, I see that. Uh, I'm glad Tyson's uh, back. I like Tyson. Oh, same. Tyson's always good. 
He's not, um, but <laughs> he got better. I mean, he's usually good. Nine times out of ten, he's good. Yeah, he's reliably good now, and that's that's all I need. Yeah, I I think there's something in the conflict, a little bit of the conflict here of like, you know, put me in, coach. I've got to go to war. <laughs> that is very like it's a very classic kind of setup thing. Yeah, it's a pretty like formulaic conflict that's being set up between Poseidon and Tyson. Although I think that's okay because it doesn't really look like it's going to be the focus. Right. And I like that Percy advocates for him. It's like, hey, Tyson is can handle himself. Tyson is, you know, strong. Tyson beat the shit out of that horrible, like, multi-headed beast that was going to kill me last year. Even though it kind of just ends up being, like, Poseidon really sad because he thinks about, like, oh, some of my favorite children might die. No, no, not some of his favorite. As we learned last book, Percy is his favorite. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how Triton feels about that. Yeah, that's still a really fucked up... That's even more fucked up for him to say now. (laughs) What, because he has an heir? Well, because we didn't really... Well, I didn't know that he, like, had a, like, Olympian kid. Hmm. I thought it was basically just, like, Percy, Tyson, and a couple of older Cyclopes we hadn't met. Which meant it was still kind of messed up because Tyson was in the next room, but whatever. But no, apparently he also has, like, another kid. No, he has plenty of kids, of course. Okay, I see. He's a... These are the Greek gods. They... Of course. Yeah, yeah uh, I guess he got to name Neptune's moons after something. Yeah. I mean, um... So Triton isn't an Olympian. He's just a, a sea god. Uh, um, do you, do you know what I mean. He f- fucking hangs around on the mountain. Or he doesn't. He, probably, he, he doesn't. He could go there. I, I feel like we gotta start being precise in our language. <laughs> there are 12 Olympians. Okay. Um, and He's one of the lame dweeb gods. He's one of the lame dweeb gods. And I don't know. It's it's kind of like it's it's that same thing with what I was just saying. Like you go see your you know biological father, and he's like got a whole different family, and they don't really like you. Yeah, it's like um, when you see your childhood best friend's dad in a restaurant that you work at with a beard and like a completely different family. And he looks like he's gone into fucking witness protection or something. That sounds like a little bit too specific. <laughs> I can neither confirm this... nor deny that this actually happened to me. Jane, are you are you sure you're not a demigod? <laughs> Maybe you can see through the mist. I I can only hope. What do we think Rachel's secret was that she wanted to tell Percy? Uh that she loves him. Maybe I don't. That doesn't feel it. That doesn't feel like it's a. That's too. She kisses him. She was just say it outright. I think. I you know I suppose that's true. And Percy does literally say that she says what's on her mind. Yeah, maybe it's like. I'm not really sure what it could be. Like I'm leaving forever, or like my dad is helping Kronos. Oh, that could be it. it uh, I well, she probably would have told him that too. Yeah, probably wouldn't um, take him to the island and then tell him that. Yeah, that's unless she was like wanting to kill him, which I don't think we're going. <laughs> I don't think we're going for Rachel Elizabeth there traitor arc. I hope not. No, she's she's very cool. I don't know. I love how idyllic the first like few pages of this book are. 
I know I've I've complained about the quality of the descriptions kind of peeking at Lightning Thief and not really living up to that ever since. Uh-huh. I do like the atmosphere and the way that the ocean's described at the start. Uh Ray just knows how to describe oceans. Yeah, it's maybe that's why he picked like Son of the Sea God for a series. I think that's extremely possible. Otherwise otherwise Zeus would have made the most sense, probably. Yeah, I guess the other thing is you don't want to be accused of just doing a Hercules knockoff. Mm, that's true. We we got a another Hercules reference in these chapters, the the giant crab. Is that a Hercules thing? Uh Percy calls it out as being one. He he says oh. that that one time like Annabeth told him about a crab that Hercules Oh yeah. Hercules like stepped on or something with his gonna... sweaty toesy woesies in his sandal. It, like he, while he was fighting the Hydra, Hera was like, "Oh no, this guy's winning! I have to send a giant crab to distract him." <laughs> and uh, he just it's like crushes it, and then uh, turns the turns it into the constellation Cancer because that's what Hera was. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm very glad that we get the characterization of Hera as a massive bitch in this series. Yeah, what if she did that? What if she sent the crab? Oh my god. Maybe she's a spy. I, I, I feel like... I don't know if she would actually work in any capacity with Kronos. Like, there could be some really twisted reasoning of like, he'll let us keep our family together or something, but... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't see any like version of Kronos winning where Zeus doesn't get like cut into a million pieces and chucked into deep space. If somebody fed me rocks and like poison, I I would want to fuck in deep space. Yeah, Zeus. Oh uh, my god! Kronos ate all of his kids, and uh, Zeus was like, "Okay, well this oh, is really wait. bad." I thought you meant that Zeus fed Hera poison rocks. No, no, Kronos. I see. I'm saying that Kronos is valid for wanting to chuck <laughs> Zeus into space. Listen, Zeus seems like a horrible person. Everyone wants to throw him into space. Yeah. Speaking uh, of Kronos, uh, uh-huh. shout out to the way that Kronos' voice is constantly described as like having a knife scrape against your spine. Ugh. It's horrible, and I love it. Yeah, it's one of those like little things like you think about it, and it's just like, hate that, hate it. Yeah. Can't wait for it but to just be like a, a slithery hissy voice filter in the show. Oh Jesus! <laughs> if it's not like if they added like a nails on, if they added like a nails on a chalkboard sound, that could be cool. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the good universe version. Let's go. Okay, you know what, Jane? It's time for lightning round. Okay, this is just where we talk about Zeus, right? Uh, I think that's right. Zeus, uh, how big? Uh, around eight feet tall, I believe, is the figure that we've gotten in the other books. Okay, I guess that works. <laughs> but proportionally, you know? Pro- okay. You know? Are we talking about Zeus's schlong? His, his, his schlong? Yeah. It's like, that, that's schlong plus Zeus schlong. Um... Uh, 
I see. I don't, I don't know. It's long. This book is too intense. It's it's really fucking us up. It is. I don't know what we're saying anymore. Um, Paul drives a Prius. I don't know if that says anything about him because I don't know anything about cars. I, I also know nothing about cars. That could be like an awesome sports car or a little hatchback, and I would be none the wiser. Uh-huh. We get to see like a rogues gallery of monsters that we've seen throughout the series. It's like all on the Yeah, ship. that's fun. Uh-huh. Are we going to get like a scene where Paul confronts Percy about the car? <laughs> that, if that was like, if the last line of the book was like, now about that car, Percy. Yeah, no, I, I'd be into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, like, what else? I don't know. The Olympians like offer Percy the chance to ascend to godhood for defeating Kronos. But he can't because Paul is making him get a summer job to pay for the car. It's like, he's like, oh, th- they give him like a one wish for helping them win the war. <laughs> and he's like, you could ask for anything. You could, anything in the world. And he asks like, well, I really feel bad about my stepdad's car. <laughs> I, he's a good boy. He would do it. He would. He would. Oceanus is a dumb name. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not his fault. I I would assume based on the name that he, that is where we get the word ocean from. It's doesn't very stop possible. it from sounding dumb. Yeah. Like, oh, the great villain of the seas, Oceanus. Like, oh, okay. It's me, Seaman. It's me. <laughs> Water boy. <laughs> it's it's Aquaman. Oh, it's just Aquaman. <laughs> this is just kind of Aquaman, the, the second chapter at least. A little bit, yeah. We get the like kind of like petty family drama. We get the, the... half human bastard child of the uh, Atlantean monarchy. Yeah, you think about how uh why does Oce- Oceanus just like use a s- he just carries a snake around that he hits people with? Is that right? What the fuck? What? <laughs> it's like in- instead of holding a blade, he's holding a snake. Let the snake go. Please. Free him. Please. Free him. Um uh, The thing about these chapters is that there's a lot to talk about, but not a lot to talk about at the same time because it's like a lot of main stuff there's a there's like not as many like crevices to get into yeah like it's it's just beat after beat after beat there's not like any moments where the chapters really like slow down and give us like some character stuff to really drill down into yeah we've pretty much talked about everything at this point yeah i think we've done pretty well for two chapters i think so um so i guess it's time to wrap it up. It's, it's Unless... time for me to remember that I am supposed to check for news at the start of these. Okay, and while you and do type that, news into the thing. I will say thanks for listening, everyone. I just typed news into DuckDuckGo. The fuck Wait, is wrong with me? Did you get anything? <laughs> uh, key takeaways from January 6th hearing powerful testimony counters revisionist history. I'm not reading that. Okay. Uh, uh, so if you'd like, check out the show on Twitter at Unwise Girls. 
we got all our links on there our email our discord and our patreon patreon.com slash unwise girls where you can support us for a variety of amounts of money specifically one dollars three dollars and five dollars so i guess that's kind of a variety uh you can it's also more if you want to support two. yeah true you can also uh check us out uh you can also download our episodes, rate and review, recommend us to a friend also always really helps. Um, and uh, and support us on that Patreon. For a dollar a month, you get a special role in our Discord as a camp counselor and the satisfaction of knowing that you will be able to uh, help some small creators through their day. And uh, You'll know that uh, you could be the spy. You'll know that uh, now that Beckendorf is out, you're in. <laughs> this, is, this is the perfect time to apply for one of these positions. Uh, for $3, you get an even special role as a friend of Dionysus. And all of our bonus content, uh, where we talk about things like Homestuck. We talk about things like uh, Hercules. We talk about things like Hadestown. We talk about things like uh, TV shows we've watched recently. Lots of stuff. Yeah, the last the last episode published at time of recording is me screaming about how Doctor Who is good despite it being bad. That's right. That's right. Um, and for $5, if you're feeling especially generous and just really want to help us out, you get the specialist role of Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a shout-out at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica Friend, and Erica Fay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.